Welcome to the Cancer Care Connect workshop. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. During the workshop, you will hear from our panel of expert speakers. We will allow time for questions and comments following the presentation. Instructions will be given at that time. If anyone should require assistance during the workshop, please press star and zero on your touchdown telephone. As a reminder, this workshop is being recorded. I would now like to introduce your moderator for today's workshop, Dr. Carolyn Mesner, Director of Education and Training at Cancer Care. Please go ahead. Oh, thank you so much, Sonia, and I too would like to welcome everyone to today's program. And today's program is titled Coping with the Stresses of Caregiving When Your Loved One Has Triple Negative Breast Cancer. And this is part three of a three-part series, which we titled Living with Triple Negative Breast Cancer. Now, we know caregivers play an extremely important role in the lives of people living with triple negative breast cancer and also in terms of all that they take on and all that they want to do to help. And so this call really focuses on for caregivers. And but we welcome anyone to be on the call. So it could be a person who's living with triple negative breast cancer who happens to be their own caregiver or just wants to know more about caregiving or anyone who wants to know more about caregiving as well. Um, and today's program is really um, in collaboration with the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation, this entire series, and many of the programs that we do on triple negative breast cancer, indeed probably all of them, are really in conjunction with the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation. You're going to hear much more about them as the call goes on, um, but they've been uh, just wonderful in supporting the program and uh, in, in supporting all these programs and workshops that we offer. Um, the program also is, um, there are a number of other organizations that we have listed on the brochures or on our website um, that actually um, both breast cancer organizations as well as cancer organizations that um, uh, help to spread the word about the program as well as hospitals. And some of you actually tell people about them as well. So we want to thank you all for doing that. Um, and it's because of all of that information sharing that goes on about these programs. Um, we have over 427 participants on the call today. And you come from all over the United States. So you come from both rural, urban, suburban and frontier communities. And we also have international participants from Austria, Canada, Denmark, Mauritius, and United Kingdom. So really, um, it's a credit to all of you that you've chosen to spend the next hour with us. Today's program is made possible by the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation, the Celgene Corporation, and a grant from Genentech. And it's not just this program, but the entire series. So I really want to thank them for their support. Now, we have wonderful speakers today. And uh, I want to start by introducing our first speaker, and our first speaker um, is Dr. Stuart Fleischman. Dr. Fleischman is a former founding director, Cancer Support Services, Continuing Cancer Centers of New York, and he's an author, researcher in oncology. And Dr. Fleischman is going to be addressing the definition of a caregiver, talking, taking on the role of caregiver, including managing family and friends, and what the research tells us about caregivers. It's really my great pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Fleischman. Thank you, Dr. Messner, and thank you for to everybody who's participating on this call. Um, it's a good thing that we're talking about caregivers because caregivers are often the unsung heroes of um, cancer treatment in our families, and sometimes we don't give them enough credit. Hopefully, most of the time we do. So, um, if trying to figure out who is a caregiver and what their needs are. 
uh, caregivers are a number of different people. It could be yourself. Um, much care in, during cancer treatment is uh, self-care, especially when people are getting most of their treatment in an ambulatory setting and are going to work and taking care of their family and taking care of all the regular responsibilities as well as the fun, doing fun things that they have done before cancer. Um, sometimes it's a family member. Sometimes it could be um, an extended family or friends who chip in to do some of the busy work during cancer treatment. Um, in some communities, um, church groups or social groups all band together to help out someone who's in the middle of treatment and needs some extra help. Uh, or sometimes it could be volunteers through um, organizations like uh, Cancer Care or the American Cancer Society, and that, that varies from uh, location to location. But uh, we're talking about a, a very varied group of folks that um, are struggling along with a patient who is him or herself or sometimes himself in the case of breast cancer is being treated. Uh, it's, a, it's a very variable group. Uh, taking on the role of a caregiver is um, sometimes uh, done voluntarily. Sometimes a member of our family gets sick and we're asked to do uh, to be a caregiver. Um, it happens in a variety of different ways. Um, the kinds of things that caregivers do is enormous, and I'm not sure I have enough time to list all the different roles and responsibilities. Um, often um, people who take care of a home and um, their families can list all of the different types of jobs and tasks that they do in one day. And I think you take all of those roles and then um, uh, add the, all the additional things that happen during treatment and the list of the job description is pages long. Um, caregiver needs to be a time manager, uh, as most treatment is uh, an ambulatory basis and done in ambulatory centers and sometimes not in the same building, um, sometimes not even in the same city. Um, caregivers need to keep track of appointments, need to keep track of uh, when the appointments are, where they are, uh, how to get there, um, very, very practical things like that. Caregivers are sometimes also an accessory memory, time to take your medication, time to put the cream on after, a radia after radiation treatment and, and take you know, any one of a number of different things. Caregivers are often also the chefs that um, our patients rely on during their treatment uh, if they are too tired to, to shop and cook for themselves, um, that's a tall order. Uh, our culinary uh, expertise is not the same across the board, and yet caregivers are asked to, um, to be chefs sometimes. Caregivers also can help with a myriad of household duties if someone is fatigued and not able to, to do the laundry, do some cleaning, um, shopping. Uh, the list goes on and on as all of us know what we do in our everyday lives. But caregivers do that on top of being um, uh, a care coordinator. Care coordinator is also one of those titles that varies from place to place and even country to country, but in um, traditional areas, this is what families do and friends do for people who are undergoing cancer treatment. And care coordinator could be arranging appointments, getting second opinions, picking up records, getting pathology slides, 
um, all of those very practical things. Um, in addition, uh, care, uh, care, um, caregivers often have a lot of intimate time with a, um, a patient herself. Um, sometimes that could be help getting dressed or help getting in and out of the shower, the kinds of things that friends don't necessarily do for their friends or families all the time that uh, during treatment may need extra help. And sometimes people are perfectly able to do these things on their own without the extra help and need some moral or emotional support going through all the rigors of treatment. So it's a very, very varied role. Um, many of us, but not all of us, have a bevy of interested family members and friends. Um, in the days before we had electronic communications, that often meant getting phone calls from all the people who were interested in our welfare and often having to give the same, thing, the same story many, many times. Um, although that sounds great because um, it, show, it shows us really as a, not a sign-up but actual social support, which we know is vital to get through a treatment. What that often means is that uh, family members or friends or caregivers have to tell the same uh, information again and again and again. Now, um, with uh, the electronic communications, we have I've heard a variety of ways that people use the social media very um, efficiently, uh, put notices on Facebook or send out a, um, a group text or um, I, I bet something could be done on Twitter and Instagram, but I'm not as familiar with those platforms as I am with, uh, with the others. But this is a simple sometimes way of getting information out without having to um, uh, repeat the same thing on the phone again and again, which can be very time consuming. Um, the other thing that we hear from caregivers is that often th they need a bit of respite themselves. Um, and if someone asks, what can I do to help, our generally sociable, socially acceptable answer is nothing, I'm fine. Um, but sometimes as a caregiver, we need help too. Uh, and getting respite from our friends and family can be key in being a good, efficient, and compassionate caregiver over a long period of time. Uh, we know more and more about the role of caregivers these days. And um, the research, which is often by a questionnaire and interview, tell us two important things. We know that caregivers often neglect their own health, which um, is not helpful. <laughs> it's not helpful to the patient who needs help, and it's not helpful to the caregiver who then may develop chronic health problems when the patient is finished with their treatment. So we know that that's something to be aware of and to make sure that caregivers uh, keep up their own health maintenance. Um, in, um, during uh, cancer treatment, we sometimes ask questions, questionnaires about quality of life, um, and those can be part of a clinical trial or part of everyday uh, regular standard care, often things like how are you um, on a 10-point scale, let's say, 0 to 10, 10, um, I feel wonderful, 0, things are really bad for me, and, and, and every digit in between. The number of research studies have looked at the differences in responses between patients, herself or himself, a caregiver, and a family member. 
and um, a, a professional, a, a professional provider, and a caregiver or family member. So three groups. Um, we tend to believe that patients themselves will give the most accurate um, assessment of what uh, what their distress level is or how they're feeling. It seems that professional providers underestimate how people feel. They they think that people are actually doing. Uh, better than they than they will answer themselves, and caregivers, family, friends, will think that the patient is doing worse than they actually would rate themselves. So um, this is just again something we need to be aware of, and uh, just keep a mental note as we go through our treatment of ourselves or with our family and friends. So I will um, pass this back to Dr. Messner now. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Fleischman. That was really, really outstanding and just a wonderful, really um, kind of overview or setting the stage for today's program, but also a real call out to caregivers and all that they do, Ellie, and just the enormous amount that um, everyone depends on caregivers, the person living with triple negative breast cancer, the healthcare system to some extent, so really everyone um, and family, friends. So it's really quite a, um, quite a bit. And so thank you for outlining all of that. And our next speaker is Dr. Elizabeth Jane Cathcart-Rake, and uh, Dr. Um, uh, Cathcart-Rake is Chief Fellow in Medical Oncology and Hematology, Mayo, Mayo Clinic, Assistant Professor of Medical Oncology and Internal Medicine, Mayo Clinic, Academic Breast Oncologist, St. Luke's University of Missouri, Kansas City, and she is an oncologist who works with people with triple negative breast cancer and treats them, and so um, she's going to address caring for your loved one with triple negative breast cancer, your important role as a caregiver on the healthcare team, including decision-making, and challenges in communicating with the healthcare team. It's really my great pleasure to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Cathcart-Drake. Thank you so much. I'm I'm thrilled to be able to be a part of this and get to talk with you all today. So um, I'm just going to start generally talking about, um, you know, caring for your loved one with triple negative breast cancer. And I think the most important thing is something that you all have um, demonstrated already by showing an interest in being on this call, which is empathy. Um, and that's not only, though, for your loved one, but that's also for um, yourself as well. Um, caregivers are extremely empathetic in caring people, but don't forget to be empathetic towards yourself. And I think there's a lot of caregiver guilt that I see in clinics that um, God, is just, is just um, um, uh, a negative thing for people who, who take so much time out of their lives to help someone else. And um, I just I recommend don't think anything directed towards yourself as a caregiver that you wouldn't say out loud to, to a close one that you love. Um, so that that's my number one take home. Um, so the other thing is, is, another thing is flexibility. So everyone's journey with cancer is unique. And what you and your loved one may be going through is likely different from what others may be experiencing. For instance, um, you know, triple negative breast cancer is, is different than hormone receptor positive breast cancer. It does respond to fairly quickly to chemotherapy, which is actually a, a, a positive. Um, and so while it's really helpful to get bits of advice and recommendations from others who've been through breast cancer treatment, realize that there are things that aren't universal. And so um, I, I think it's also important to realize that you and your loved one's experience, your outlook, 
your expectations may also change throughout the cancer journey itself. So just be flexible and realize that these changes are normal. So the differences between your, um, you know, your processing of all this and your loved one's processing um, between yourself and others and then also over time, that is all normal. And just be supportive and just try to, try to treat, treat each day and each week and each treatment as it comes. Um, I think the third most important thing just in in general in terms of being a caregiver is is energy conservation. Um, you know, triple negative breast cancer treatment frequently does involve chemo, although that is changing, which is really a encouraging thing. Um, but that's really time and energy intensive for, for both patients and their caregivers. And so I think it's important to rest. Um, rest when you can to be th- present for the things that are really important to both you and, and the patient. So um, that's uh, very similar to what, what Dr. Fleischman just said in terms of, you know, make sure you're taking care of yourself. You know, I always think of that airplane mask analogy. If you're exhausted, you may be less in a, in a position to help others emotionally and physically. And the same goes for your zone of cancer. You know, remind them to, to rest before a big event so so that they can really be present. And if you need to reschedule treatment around big life events or things that are really important for you all to get to, most of the time that's okay. I would just ask your, ask your oncologist. Um, now, more specifically talking to the caregiver role as part of the healthcare team, I would, I would also just second how important your role is. I think it's it's really important to start out this cancer journey by asking your loved one how they would like you to be involved in their care and ask specific questions. I'm thinking, you know, not only those, you know, um, questions about cooking and cleaning and all the home things, but also an appointment. So do they want you to just be a second set of ears to understand and interpret info during appointments? Do they want you to take notes? Is it okay if you ask questions? And, and most importantly, is it okay to volunteer information? And from a, an oncologist's perspective, it is extremely helpful to get a caregiver's perspective on how really a patient is tolerating therapy. Um, I, I really like to know specifics. For instance, you know, my, my loved one was walking a mile a day uh, before all this. Now they, can, they can't make it to the mailbox. You know, it's frequently hard, um, and as Dr. Fleischman was saying, too, it's, it's hard for patients to volunteer this information. Um, sometimes they're putting on a, a brave face or they're overwhelmed, so I really love to hear as many perspectives as I can um, to help me make important treatment decisions and dose, dose decisions as well. Um, as far as decision-making, I think it's really helpful for caregivers to try to, what I think of as being a lighthouse for patients. Um, help them navigate their cancer, their cancer journey, but also help them stay true to what their goals are during these times of difficult decisions. And I've seen this several times in practice, and it's it's really worked really well. And certainly, this is only if a patient is okay with it. But I've had caregivers say, you know, ask a patient, "Can I share what you you shared with me the other day?" For instance, um, for instance, you know, I remember. When things were really hard in the midst of that chemo, this last chemotherapy cycle, you told me you'd like a little bit of a break. Is that something you're still thinking? And bringing that up in the room is really helpful for the provider and for the patient to just kind of 
bring us all together in that discussion. And again, that, that's okay, if that's okay with the patient, but I think that that can be really helpful. Now, there's a number of challenges in communicating with the healthcare team, and a lot of that is on us as oncologists and physicians. Um, you know, we don't think about interpreting uh, interpreting things in a way that everyone might understand. So please, you know, if we're using jargon, ask for clarification. Um, but also, you know, understanding the impact or severity of test results, I think, is is particularly um, important. Um, for instance, you know, frequently we'll come into a visit and say, Can't, the cancer is stable. Well, what does that mean? That may mean five different things to different people. You know, that may be great news for some and not so great news for others. And so always feel free, again, if it's okay to the patient, try to interpret this. Is this expected? Is this concerning? You know, and this could be done even before doing a test to ask, what should we expect for this from this? Um, and then ask about timelines as well. You know, your life may be revolving around, you know, the times of that chemotherapy cycle, but frequently in the beginning they're revolving around waiting for test results, and that can be the hardest part of, of some of this. And so feel free to ask, how long should I expect before I get these results? When are we going to sit down and talk? Are you going to call me? Am I going to be there in clinic? Just get those specifics because that might help ease some of the anxiety that everyone has around this waiting period, which I think is, is really a cause for a lot of anxiousness. And then uh, finally, just talking about outside resources. I mean, it is very normal and understandable to, to look up things online and to find good resources, but talk with your provider about what you found because they'll help interpret that. As I mentioned at the beginning, everybody's journey is different. And so, you know, some of the resources that you have may be excellent and actually help other patients if you share those with your provider, whereas others may be just less scientifically based and maybe your provider can help interpret those for you. And, and at the same time, maybe you can get good resources from them as well. And so, um, so I hope that that helps a little bit in, in navigating the journey and I'll, I'll, I'll turn it back um, now. Thank you so much, Dr. Cathcart-Gate. That was really wonderful and really very, very informative and a whole different perspective. And the concept of um, the caregiver as a lighthouse, that really just um, it's a wonderful term to keep in mind for everybody. So thank you. And I know there will be questions for you during the Q&A as well. And our next speaker is Ms. Georgie Kusak, and Ms. Kusak is an oncology nurse. She's Director of Education and Patient Safety, Office of the Clinical Director, National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute, Adjunct Nurse Leader, Nursing Research and Translation Science at the Clinical Center, National Institutes of Health. Um, and Ms. Kusak is going to be addressing long-distance caregiving, coping with each day on special occasions, holidays and birthdays, and self-care tips for managing stress. It's really now my great pleasure to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Ms. Kusak. Thank you, Dr. Mesner, for the opportunity to be on the call today. I'd also like to take this opportunity to welcome all the participants who are on the call. It's my pleasure to participate in this conference call. I need to say I have no conflicts of interest and that the views that I express are my own and not those of the NIH. I, As Dr. Mesner said, I'll be discussing the following topics, long-distance caregiving, coping with each day, special holidays and uh, birthdays, and finishing up with self-care tips for managing stress. 
So when we talk about long-distance caregiving, there are many opportunities to be involved as a long-distance caregiver, as an organizer, an advocate, and a communicator. As a long-distance caregiver, you want to stay in touch with your local caregivers and loved ones that have cancer and be willing to talk about maybe some of the difficult topics such as living will or maybe personal finances. Don't underestimate your role, the role that you're providing because it is considerable. Sometimes it's easier um, when you're talking about coordinating appointments just to help your loved one to keep track of all the different appointments because this can really be a full-time job in and of itself. So does your loved one have uh, appointments with the medical oncologist, the surgical oncologist, radiation appointments, chemotherapy appointments? Really all of those uh, take a lot of time. So helping by creating a calendar of events and providing um, to those that are on site or even helping to coordinate with the individuals to take your loved ones um, to appointments. Maybe you can come into town for a period of time for certain appointments to be able to help out. That would be also very helpful. So communication between you and the on-site provider is essential just to be able to make sure that some of these things can happen. You may be the person that wants to update family members and friends. At the end of the day, it can be a really long day for those that are caring for patients. And so maybe you're the person that they talk to and then you talk to everybody else to let them kind of know what's going on with things. Sometimes that can be a a great reliever to the person that um, has spent that very long day and wants to just be able to rest at the end of the day. There's a variety of service out there, maybe something um, like developing the blog on CaringBridge, which is a free website that you can put updates on for the family members and can guide people to go to that instead of calling. Um, you can also tap into, if you're not uh, computer savvy yourself, maybe tap into you know, like a teenager or a young adult who can help out with that. Um, You can be on the phone for medical appointments um, to get some of the questions answered and to advocate for your loved one. You know, sometimes it's it's easier um, if you're on the call because you can feel like you're a part of the discussions with that. You can also keep track of paperwork or bills um, to just be able to help out with those pieces of caring for the loved one. And then even coordinating transportations or coordinating meal delivery. Um, you can find out, you know, what your what your patient likes and dislikes and maybe send an email out to um, loved ones or make calls to get people to bring things in. All of those things can be very, very helpful when you're away, but you want to be able to participate in the care. When we talk about coping with each day and on special occasions and holidays and birthdays, holidays can be a a special time, but it can also be a very stressful time. Many times as a caregiver, you kind of carry the burden of making sure everything is perfect for family um, events, and you don't always take time for yourselves to even breathe at that time because you want to make sure everything is um, perfect for the different events. So you want to be able to manage your expectations and preserve your energy, be honest and open, um, pick and choose the gatherings for family members. The National Cancer Institute actually offers a um, eight tips for coping with cancer during the holidays. And I think it's a, it's a nice guide for patients, but it's also a nice guide for family members to really understand and, um, and appreciate. So the first thing is to be in tune with your thoughts and feelings. So again, if you're not enjoying things as much as you should, maybe take a step back and try to figure out why you're not, um, why you're not enjoying it and really figure out if there are, are specific moments that may, um, 
you know, you may be happier and try to find those happy moments, but feel free to, you know, allow yourself time to um, to cry and to reflect if you need to and just to really get in touch with your feelings. Get support. As I said earlier, Make a, you know, you can make a list of friends and family who you can count on and people to listen to your concerns so that you have the support that you need, whether you're joining a, a support group or even an online support group. There are a variety of resources out there, and if you um, – you know, you can go to the cancer care website and, um, you know, just find out about some of those. Just the fact that you're on this call tells us that, you know, that you want to be able to figure out the best way that you can take care of yourself as a caregiver. So, you know, this might be a way to provide support to you also. Eating a balanced diet that gives your body nutrients, um, getting sleep, make sure you're getting adequate amounts of sleep, which is hard to do when you're worried about a loved one. So really try yourself to, to figure out ways that you can get that sleep. Um, again, asking family and friends to help. If your tradition is dinner or gathering at your house, plan a potluck and um, have different people bring things over. You may want to start for holidays. You may want to start some new traditions. It's okay to say that, you know, you don't want to have the family of 25 coming over to your house for dinner, and especially if your loved one, if your, you know, family member or your patient is not up for that. So maybe just um, schedule visits so that different people come at different times just to allow them rest periods in between. People can also send messages. They can send video chats. They can they can just send cards and um, letters and different things like that. And patients really appreciate that, and sometimes it doesn't take the energy if they're not up to it after treatments and things like that. Taking care of yourself, we'll talk a little bit about um, managing stress later, but again, identifying activities that are rewarding and make you feel good and relaxed. So walking or dancing or um, getting a massage, just be aware of the physical stress of that's associated with, you know, all the traveling that you're doing and all of the, um, you know, all the different things that you may be doing that overexerts yourself. Uh, don't blame yourself for things. Just know that, you know, if things are, are not going the way that you planned, you're going to have good and bad days. You may have a schedule one day and the next day you won't have a schedule at all. And so that's okay. You just need to be able to think about that and, um, you know, just kind of regroup. And then make simple plans and pace yourself. Identify tasks that can cause you stress like shopping and cooking and scale back a little bit or get others to do that for you. But, again, what's most important is that you, you know, try to enjoy those holiday celebrations in whatever way you can enjoy them. And so the last thing I'm going to talk about is self-care tips for managing stress. Because you do want to remember, as, as everyone has already mentioned, you want to remember that your health and wellness are as important as your loved one. And so your loved one wants and needs you to be healthy, and so you want to take the time to take care of yourself. And sometimes that's difficult to do when you're trying to help another person, and especially when they have so many appointments and and you see them maybe may or may not be feeling up to um, how they normally would be. So, again, the National Cancer Institute has a variety of sort of resources for that. Um, so does the American Cancer Society, and so does Cancer Care. So you can, um, the American Cancer Society has, actually has a distress checklist and a coping checklist where you can complete the checklist, and it will kind of tell you what your stress level is. And then they have activities that help you to uh, figure out how you can cope in um, more positive ways with that. Uh, the National Cancer Institute has caring for the caregiver, and Cancer Care has tips for caregiving for a loved one, 
with cancer. And um, Carolyn will let you know uh, at the end how you can uh, get information about those. So, again, you want to schedule self-care time um, for yourself. And each day or week, make a plan so that you can focus on your own needs. So take out time either every day or, you know, once or twice a week just to schedule uh, making yourself a priority. So whether that means, again, exercising or going shopping or meditating or taking a nap, just try to really plan out those activities so that you'll be able to do them and hopefully they will help to rejuvenate you. Um, another activity you can do is write down positive qualities. So again, so show yourself some self-love by writing down specific qualities that make you a great caregiver. And one of the suggestions that they recommend is that you write down the letters of the alphabet and try to find one positive quality about yourself for each letter of the alphabet. And, you know, keep the list handy and refer back to it when you need it, when you need a mental boost for yourself or to know that you're doing things, you know, the best that you can with whatever information you have at the time. And then the third suggestion they have is to make a self-care emergency plan. So having a plan for when you're feeling overwhelmed. So when you feel overwhelmed, what's the first thing that you do? Well, hopefully it's it's something that it you know is a is a good coping strategy, such as calling a friend or maybe doing some breathing exercises. Uh, journaling is a really good thing to do if you're somebody that um, likes to kind of get in touch with your feelings. You can journal and just write down how you're feeling in that particular day. Sometimes that takes the stress off of things. Um, you can uh, meditate. There's a lot of apps out there now. Um, if you you know have a smartphone, you can get applications. There's some apps, the Calm app or another app called Breathe. Or you can even go on YouTube and pull up, um, you know, if you like flute or piano music or anything like that, you can just sit down and listen to that for a period of time. Um, as I said before, you want to prioritize your sleep to make sure you get adequate rest. And whether you need to take a nap or just go to bed a little bit early, you know, try to find somebody. Sometimes we will get um, have a caregiver, a different caregiver at the nighttime, and maybe you take care of your family member during the day and maybe get another family member to come at night to take care of them because, you know, it's it's hard to rest when you're thinking about, the person all the time. So if you know somebody else is there to help with that, it'll help you to rest with that. And then practicing gratitude each day. Try to be thankful for for what you have and what you've been able to accomplish. It's, again, difficult sometimes to do that and to think about that, but there's a lot of studies out there that have demonstrated that gratitude helps to improve your attitude and also works with your immune system and um, a variety of things like that. So, I hope this has been helpful, and I'm happy to entertain questions at the end. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Ms. Kusak. That was really very comprehensive and very informative, um, and then lots of things, a lot of very specific tips that people can uh, try to implement, and I know there will be questions for you during the Q&A, so thank you. Very, very nicely done. And our next speaker is Ms. Haley Dinneman. Ms. Dinneman is a lawyer, and she is the co-founder and executive director of the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation. And I have to say that um, Ms. Dinneman has supported these type of programs for many years and also has established and set up our uh, the Triple Negative Hope Line, which is really helpline, which is really incredibly important. You'll hear more about that from Ms. Chatelaine. But um, Ms. Dinneman is going to address really the... Um, 
you know, the programs of the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation, and it's really my great pleasure, and really a many a hearty thank you, um, but a great pleasure to introduce um, my esteemed colleague, Miss um, Dinneman, who will be addressing the topics of programs of the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation. Thank you so much for that introduction, Dr. Messner. I want to take a moment to thank our partners at Cancer Care and my fellow presenters for the absolutely excellent overview of TNBC and its impact on caregivers. Uh, today's teleconference is one of many programs offered by the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation. Now, all of our programming is specifically designed to address the needs of the TNBC community from patients and survivors to caregivers and loved ones. And to all the caregivers on this call, I want you to know that when I speak of the triple negative breast cancer community, I'm speaking of you as well. You're a very important part of our community. I'd like to highlight a few of our programs, and I sincerely hope that you'll take advantage of them and encourage those you are caring for to do the same. First, we have numerous educational brochures and fact sheets that are available in print or also as free downloads from our website. Our popular fact sheets for caregivers, our Understanding TNBC brochure, and our Treatment Guide for Patients and Their Families were all developed with input from members of our TNBC community, as well as esteemed medical experts. These brochures, as well as all of our other educational materials, have special sections addressing issues of particular interest to certain members of our TNBC community, including caregivers, African-American and Latina women, those with BRCA mutations, those with early stage diagnoses, and of course, those with metastatic disease as well. We work really hard to make sure that every member of our TNBC community can, can find relevant information and practical guidance in these materials, so I hope you'll use them to your benefit. Also, our website, tnbcfoundation.org, offers two spe uh, TNBC-specific clinical trials matching services that are far less daunting than clinicaltrials.gov. Uh, we have a constantly updated TNBC news section, and a favorite of our community is our online discussion forums. The forums um, allow you to easily connect with other caregivers and with women who are living with TNBC any time of the day and night. Our community, which includes thousands of women from those who are newly diagnosed to many long-term survivors, use these forums to ask questions about treatment, how to manage side effects, how to help loved ones, and anything else related to TNBC. But most importantly, these forums offer consistent support to our community. So if you aren't currently registered for the forums, you should consider joining them. You can even join anonymously. And I honestly can't stress enough how helpful they've been to so many women and their families and caregivers as well. Um, of course, if you feel that you would benefit more from in-person meetings, I hope you'll consider joining us for our upcoming fall conference weekend. The TNBC Foundation partners with Living Beyond Breast Cancer every year to provide you with a specific triple negative program, which includes programming for caregivers. Our next conference takes place in September, so if you're interested, please look out for information about the program on our website or on our official Facebook page or Twitter. We even offer travel grants for caregivers to help defray the cost of attending, and registration opens on July 8th. And finally, it goes without saying that TNBC-specific medical research is extremely important to our foundation. We not only support cutting-edge research at leading medical institutions, but we work hard to inform you about any new developments in the area. We have expert scientific bloggers at all the major medical conferences, including ASCO, AACR, and SABCS. 
and they work to provide you with up-to-the-minute updates on new and emerging research and treatment options. So if you're interested in receiving these updates, please follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Um, I hope we connect with you all soon. So once again, take, uh, thank you again for joining us, and now I'll turn the program back to Dr. Messner. Well, thank you so much, Ms. Zimmerman. That was really wonderful and just a wonderful call out to people to access. If you're not already using the services of the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation, please do. It's really a go-to place for you with all of your concerns and questions. And our next speaker is Ms. Lauren Chatelian, and she's an oncology social worker, and she's our Women's Cancer Program Coordinator at Cancer Care. And Ms. Chatelian is going to be addressing the triple, negative, the triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation's helpline, and that number is 877-880-TNBC or 8622. And she's also going to review the free psychosocial services authored by the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Helpline. So it's my great pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Ms. Chatelaine. Thank you, Dr. Mesner. I am grateful to, of course, be a part of this program today. Um, as Dr. Mesner mentioned, I am an oncology social worker at Cancer Care, as well as Cancer Care's Women's Cancers Program Coordinator. I provide cancer-focused support to those diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer and their loved ones or caregivers. The Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation and Cancer Care have partnered together to ensure that those impacted by a TMBC diagnosis have access to free psychosocial services and support. The Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation Helpline, which is generously funded by the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation, provides callers with access to comprehensive services. These services include one-on-one -on -one short-term cancer-focused counseling offered in person in the NYC area as well as nationally over the telephone. Additional services include support groups, TMBC and clinical trial education and reading materials, as well as limited financial assistance for patients. By calling the helpline, individuals are connected with an oncology social worker trained in the physical, emotional, and practical challenges that may arise due to the impact of a TMBC diagnosis. Our professional licensed oncology social workers are trained in how a diagnosis impacts an individual as well as their loved ones. Balancing your own needs while caring for your loved one can be very challenging. Adjusting to and finding new ways of coping while caregiving for a loved one diagnosed with TMBC can be an important part of your caregiving experience. Individual counseling can offer a space to express your feelings, emotions, and concerns one-on-one -on -one with a social worker. A social worker can offer support and guidance as well as help navigate difficult decision-making or communication with your loved one, among other challenges specific to being a caregiver. You and your social worker can discuss what led you to the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation and explore the ways in which we can offer support. Joining a support group can also be a way um, of connecting with others who may have a better understanding of what you have experienced and continue to experience. Finding support through other individuals during this difficult time can be very helpful. At this time, Cancer Care offers TNBC-specific online support groups for patients, as well as caregiver support groups in person, over the phone, and online. As Ms. Dinnerman mentioned, the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation also offers a clinical trial matching service that can match your search for these trials, can make your search for these trials faster and easier. 
and you can speak to a trained clinical trial navigator by calling 855-731-6036. If you are interested in learning more about the support services we offer, I encourage you to call the TNBC helpline at 877-880-8622. Our social workers can provide individual and group support, practical information, and resources to help you better cope with this diagnosis. We look forward to hearing from you. It has been such a pleasure to be a part of this very informative program. Thank you for your attention and the opportunity to speak today. Oh, thank you so much, uh, Ms. Chatelaine. That's really excellent and really an excellent. Um, it's good to know that you're um, staffing that 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 the whole helpline and that actually um, people can hear your voice and can hear the compassion in your voice and how much you care. So thank you so much. Um, and I also just want to mention that all the resources that we gave during this program, you'll be getting an evaluation probably either tomorrow or Monday from about this program. And in that evaluation, there will be information that we, anything that we shared, any resource that we gave, and even some additional resources as well. But there were a number of phone numbers we gave, websites, uh, in organizations. We'll give you all that information so you'll have them as resources um, to, um, to, for you to go to um, in um, you know, after the call as well. And I also want to just mention to all of you that this call is recorded and so that it is available on Telephone Replay or as a podcast. You can go to our Cancer Care website and listen to the programs so that they're available to you. Um, and I would give it, I guess I would say until Monday, they'll be up on replay. Actually, the Telephone Replay may be up by tomorrow. Podcast will be up probably by Monday. So it's, and it's available 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, and will be up for at least a year, if not longer. So... Definitely this is available, um, and if you want to listen to it again, you certainly can. So now we do have time for questions, a lot of time for questions. So I'm, I'm going to ask uh, Sonia to, tell, to bring all of our speakers on board and also to explain to all of you how to queue up for questions. I know there are some questions coming in already, but some of you may not know how to queue up. So um, to give everybody a chance, uh, Sonia. <sighs> Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, please press star than one on your touchdown telephone. If your question has been answered and you wish to remove yourself from the queue, you may press the pound key. Those of you on the web may submit questions by clicking Ask a Question. Our first question comes from Stephanie C. Your line is now open. Yes, thank you so much, Caroline. As usual, this is an excellent seminar, and I really appreciate all that you've done. Thank you. Uh, I have, I'm a 13-year breast cancer survivor, but double negative, not triple negative, but this also refers to me. Uh, my questions are this. I get many people over the years, since I am a psych nurse and social worker, who ask me constantly, what caused your breast cancer? What did you not eat? What should you have eaten? Does, the stresses that you have have caused your breast cancer. What can I do not to get it? It's constantly overwhelming. And sometimes some people, when they ask you things, they really do not care. It's very hard to distinguish sometimes who are the people who really care, who you want to talk to, and who you have to try to cut down and really cut off. You have to learn from toxic people. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for those questions, uh, Stephanie, and for being on the call. Um, I'm going to ask um, Dr. Um, Dr. Cathcart-Rake to address, to start by addressing that question. Others may want to add something as well, but if you would want to start with that, because it is a common question that people have in general about how did I ever get this, what happened. So do you want to comment this on that? Is some, of course. This is something I get a lot in clinic, too, and it just breaks my heart because, 
there we we don't know i mean we we know the genetic changes that can contribute to breast cancer but in terms of personal risk something that a person has done to get breast cancer we just have not found links there and i think you know number one women living with breast cancer breast cancer survivors like yourself there is nothing specific that you have done to get this i think this is just changes in cells over time it is uh, and unfortunately a lot of this is is bad luck and just and just time and and um, and over time we just develop these changes that that contribute to breast cancer and so um you know is is uh, i i think you've alluded to there is nothing that you to get this and nothing that your loved ones have done to get this this is just um, you know, just just time and, and influence of, of a lot of different factors that we, we haven't been able to discern um, over time. And I, I completely agree that these questions are, are really damaging and just cause a lot of distress. And I'm sorry to hear that you're, you're still getting them. Um, you know, I, in terms of ways to, you know, way, ways to try to confront these questions that you get, um, you know, I would just say, gosh, research research hasn't found a, a reason that um, that I have this breast cancer, and um, you know, it's it's unfortunate, and and I'm you know putting my best foot forward or taking each day as it comes and that kind of thing. But gosh, I, I, there's there's not a great answer to that other than uh, bad bad luck. I wish I had more more to offer. Thank you. Thanks so much, and. Um... Does anyone else want to add anything to that? Okay. Um, and um, so um, we have a question from our online participants. And um, so this is, um, I'm going to direct this question to start to um, Ms. Kusak. Um, my neighbor was recently diagnosed with TNBC, and she doesn't have any family members close by. What can I do to help her? Well, so I think a, a couple different things. I think you can, um, you know, if you want to offer your support in whatever way that you can in terms of just, um, you know, offering again to um, if she needs somebody to stop at the store for her and pick up something or something like that, encourage her to talk to any family members that she does have. Again, that whole long distance piece, if she does have family members that are from afar, you can maybe give her some of the tips that we talked about in terms of, um, you know, recognizing that she doesn't have anybody nearby, so maybe she can reach out to some of the family members that are there. Um, if she belongs to a local church or a local community or anything like that, sometimes your coworkers or local church members will help with um, being able to provide support and things like that. So just trying to, you know, and just sometimes just being there for her to let her kind of vent to you will will help also. But there's also a variety of organizations. You can call Cancer Care. You can talk to their social workers. They might be able to, and you guys can talk about this a little bit more, Carolyn, but they may be able to offer some support also in terms of, um, you know, maybe some of the local organizations that may be out there that can help out with this. Excellent. Thank you. Ms. Chatelaine, do you want to add a comment as well on that? Yeah, of course. So um, any of our social workers through the um, TMBC helpline as well as um, through Cancer Care, we are able to 
offer support services, even brief um, brief support over the phone for you know anyone that may have some of these questions, maybe um, you know to address some of the practical concerns or how to be there emotionally for someone diagnosed. Um, we do offer um, resources and try to find support in the area as well. Um, and we also, it was you know mentioned earlier in the call as well, but we also have several publications on our website specific to caregiving, and those have some really useful tips to um, to be able to utilize in situations such as that. Awesome, thank you. Um, and a question um, for um, for Dr. Fleischman. Um, I often accompany my mother to her treatments and doctor visits. What are some important notes I should be taking when I go with her? Like oh, good question. <laughs> uh, first, do take um, a pad and, and, and a pen. <laughs> Sometimes people don't have that with them. Uh, some people these days will use their phone or a tablet, but whatever, whatever uh, medium uh, you use is good for you. I, I would I would really listen to uh, information that's being offered. Um, uh, questions often to clarify that information. Um, sometimes people read things online or get information from uh, very well-meaning friends or other family members that don't apply. Uh, it, it may help to clarify that because uh, bad information is just not, not helpful to anybody. Um, I, I would do a lot more listening than asking questions and then have the questions really evolve out of the discussion at hand. Awesome. Thank you. And Dr. Uh, Cathcart, great. Do you want to add anything? No, I, I completely agree. I think it's always good to take notes and just try to interpret, um, you know, everything, everything that's been talked about. And, um, you know, I think certainly ask for clarification if you have questions. As I mentioned when I was when I was chatting, you know, ask ask you know what does this mean in terms of test results if this you don't understand because I think that's where you're going to get the most questions from family members. Um, so just just make sure you get kind of get the gist and the the oncologist or, or surgeon's interpretation of things. And. Um... Thank you. And with a question from one of our online participants, um, um, I've been having a hard time balancing my job, taking care of my children, and being my wife's caregiver. Do you have any tips on what I can do? Um, Michelle Tellian, can could you comment on that one? Sure, absolutely. Um, there, you know, th those are all um, you know very big responsibilities and completely understandable to be you know, feeling that way, it's difficult to balance your own needs as well as your loved one's needs as they're going throughout treatment um, and, you know, caring for our family. That's that's absolutely huge. Um, I would definitely recommend to see, um, you know, if there are others that are, are able to help kind of, um, you know, you could kind of um, delegate some of these roles, um, you know, even with with your children, if there are other family members or friends um, in the area. Also, 
you know, there are different um, apps and websites as well. I've heard from many clients that there are some um, websites that they find useful where they can put in, you know, what they may need that week, such as um, a meal or a ride for children, and loved ones are able to look in um, and check up on that and see what would be, you know, best, um, you know, best to, to help them that week. Um, definitely, you know, listening to your um, your body, your own needs. You know, if you're able to take two minutes, you know, even two minutes for yourself at the end of the day, just to kind of decompress from everything. Um, you know, be be supportive as you can, but also understand that um, that you know you you need to care for yourself as well, which you know had been mentioned a couple of times today. And you know, we, and definitely, we do encourage you to certainly contact Cancer Care. We do have both telephone and online support groups. And online support groups are really they're 24 hours a day, so you can post whenever you want to. And it's and they have specific groups for caregivers, so that's going to be very helpful. Um, and of course, um, talking with um, the helpline as well can be very helpful. And Ms. Kusak, do you want anything as well? I was just going to say, you know, I, I, uh, my, both of my parents passed away, and I had four children that were very young at the time, and so just, I, I know what you're feeling with that. So it is, it is difficult to try to balance everything and try to get everything fit into a day, but really just, um, really depending on really asking other people for help. I think that's the biggest problem that we have that we encounter overall is that um, just learning to ask for help and you know people want to help they really do and they just don't always know how to help so being able to reach out to um, family or friends or whatever and just maybe maybe making a list for yourself of different things that you need to have covered and then say you know what these are the things I need covered and you know give it to somebody that you that you really trust and sometimes they'll be able to solicit support from other people and you know sometimes that makes it a little bit easier on on you also to um so that you can spend the time you need with your wife but also try to be able to spend some quality time with your kids too which is hard to you know it's hard to fit all of that in but you want to be able to do um you know be able to do both of those things but really try to if you can ask for some help from other individuals to see if that will um, help ease it a little bit. Anyone else want to add, Dr. Fleischman? Yeah, I think asking for help is uh, something we pretty much all agree on. I think the next step would be ask. Uh, if somebody does ask you, say yes. <laughs> yeah. And say, this is, how I, this is how you can help me. And it may be something quite simple and something that's within um, their skill set and uh, can relieve at least part of the burden. Wow, this has been an amazing call, and I know we could go on from a good part of the day, actually more time, and we have more questions in queue, but I, we did say this would be an hour workshop, and I want to thank our speakers. You've been an amazing group of speakers, I have to say, and um, you can't hear us applauding, but we are applauding you, and I also want to thank all of you who've asked such great questions, both on the telephone and online. It really enhances the call to hear your voices or to hear your your questions um, online as well. Um, and um, we hope that um, that the information you've gathered today, you could take back to your training healthcare team. You can also use it yourself, and you can also use these resources. So the resources you will be getting when you get your evaluation, but there'll be lots of different places you can call. And in this instance, calling more places isn't, 
isn't a bad thing to do. Actually, sometimes you say, you know, just too many, what is it, too many cooks spoil the brew. It doesn't happen with this instance because you need diff- different help, different organizations offer different services, and you want to be sure, and they're free, so you want to be sure to take advantage of all those services. Um, so in addition, um, I also um, I want to... Uh, Acknowledge that um, the, you, we do have a triple negative breast cancer foundation. It's a really good go-to spot to go to, and so I do want to just give a call out to them again. Um, it's, it's probably a good place to start because they can then, if, if they don't have it, they will know who does have it. For those of you who may need practical or financial assistance or counseling or a support group or the matching clinical services, um, just go ahead and call that line, um, and it's also available um as a website as well. So, again, you'll be getting all that information, and it's on all the materials I think you've gotten from us both before the program and um, also just promoting the program as well. Um, But most importantly, as we conclude the program today, I would not want any one of you to feel alone in coping with um, as a caregiver or in coping with TNBC. Uh, I want you to know that you're now part of a community or neighborhood of support. We're here to help you. And... um, and there are lots of us here to help you. And so please do uh, take advantage of those services. Um, and we do know that you will feel alone sometimes, but even though you may feel alone, and that's a normal feeling to have um, as a caregiver, as a person living with TNBC, we also want you to know that um, you're also um, that there are people out there who can help you um, and to help you kind of think through what you need. And as impossible as something may seem to you at the moment, there are services out there for you. So again, I want to thank you all for your participation today, and I want to wish you all a very fine day. Thank you all. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your participation. This concludes the workshop. Anyway, now, disconnect. Everyone, have a great day.